right, it's time we got around the word. Amen? Amen? Amen. Okay, here we go. I want to ask a question of you. How many of you fit with this? How many of you have had to use the forgot my password option when logging into something? On more than one occasion. <laughs> I saw this meme um, just recently, which I thought was quite apt. I changed my passwords to incorrect, so that when I forgot my password, it would tell me what it was. <laughs> you know what? In so much of, of life today, we've got to use a, a password or a passcode, a pin code. For so many things, we need a password to access our bank accounts. We need a password to access or store personal information. We need a password or a pin code to buy things. And in many, many buildings, we actually need a password or a pin code to actually get into the building. And you know, with the expansion of our complex here into the, into the college, each individual block that we build has a passcode to get into it. Passwords are our life. Hey, they really are. Everything needs a password these days. And if you're anything like me, I think, I've, I think I'm about, I think I've got five passwords. I think that's about my limit of memorizing passwords. Um, anyone really, really good at remembering long chains of numbers like your credit card number or something like that? You are a special people. You are a special people. You know, over January, um, we've, we've had, over the last three weeks, I've been so grateful while I've, while I've been off work to just have such resource of such good speakers. You know, three weeks, three, four weeks ago, um, Ian brought that message, Valleys Breed Heroes. The week after, Amber brought a message about mountains, about scaling, climbing mountains or removing mountains. Last week, Ryan brought a message called The Battle is the Lord's. And each one of these messages taught us that with the word and the power of God, we can live a life according to John chapter 10, verse 10, which says, and the thief, this is out of the Passions translation. I thought it was just amazing. A thief has only one thing in mind. He wants to steal, to slaughter, and to destroy. But I have come to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect, life in its fullness until you overflow. How cool is that? The scriptures talk about being filled with the fullness of God. You know, when we look at that promise, now I know that we shouldn't add or take away from the scriptures. The Bible is quite clear on that. But I rewrote, I rewrote that message, that verse of this. Even though the thief only has one thing in mind, ultimate destruction. In Jesus, I can have ultimate life and even more than that. In Jesus, that's the sort of life God has for us. Now, as Christians, we get really good at quoting scriptures, especially the scriptures that line up with our hopes and desires. But you know what? Even in the ability or even in the quoting of those scriptures, we can actually fall really short of that abundant life that God promises us. What I want to share with you today is something that, that the Holy Spirit has been hammering into my spirit for, for a few weeks now. And it's how can we access that ultimate life? How can we access the power at the core of Jesus' promises? Here's, here's perhaps one of the hardest statements I want to make today. While Jesus' love is unconditional, His blessings and His power are not. Jesus' love is unconditional, but the blessings and the power 
of God are not. There are conditions that go with those. There is a password that will give you access to his blessings. There is a password that will give you access to his power. You know what? As believers, we're all incredibly well-versed on this scripture, Matthew 18, verse 20. For where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among them. Ta-da! He's here. Okay, we're, that's good. We know that. I've quoted that. I've used that to encourage myself and other people. However, you know, the longer that I pastor, the more I am becoming aware that too many believers are prepared to stop at that point. They're prepared to stop. They're satisfied to stop at the point with just with simply with the knowledge that Jesus is in the house. We're good. Jesus is here. Enough said, job done. But you know what? By choosing to stop there, we're actually cutting ourselves so incredibly short. We are cutting ourselves short of the magnificence and the heavenly resource that is available to us in Christ through the Holy Spirit. Over the last few weeks, as I've you know, been having my daily quiet times, I've been pondering on the, what does this year look like, Lord? What have you got for us? What is the shape of things? Where are we going to go? Like that sort of stuff. I, um, I was essentially hijacked by a very disturbing question that has not let me go. And so to help me carry the load of that question, I'm going to pass it on to you this morning. <laughs> because the problem shared is the problem halved, but the carrying capacity is doubled. Well, actually, it's, it's multiplied in this case. Here, here is the disturbing question that landed in my soul. God may be present, but is his presence present? God may be present. In actual fact, he is. The scriptures say so. But is his presence present? Over the years of pastoring, many, many, many times I've been in services uh, here and elsewhere where people can be sitting in the same service through the same worship, through the same message, from the same preacher, and one will go out having connected with God and the other one will go out going, what do I want for lunch? One will go out going, I I just, God answered some of my questions. Another one will go out going, I have no idea what that was all about. God may be present, but is his presence present? So how do we access that heavenly resource? How do we access the very presence of God? My message this morning is called, Praise is the password, presence is the power word. Before we go anywhere else, I just, let's just give this to God. Father, right here, right now, we honor you, we recognize you, we give you glory, we give you praise. You are the ultimate authority. You have the ultimate seat of power. You are God. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd help me to deliver this, help us all to hear it. Let it land in our spirit, Lord. Let it land in our heart today, in Jesus' name. Amen. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, again, another very, very, very familiar passage, it says this, It is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to Him must believe that God exists 
and that he rewards those who sincerely or diligently or passionately seek him. Praise is an expression of faith. It's an affirmation that you believe God is who he says he is. Therefore, you declare, my God is able. Now, will that get tested? Yep. (laughs) Will there be times when we'll go, "Ah, someone will say, God is able, and you go, "Ah, I hope so. (laughs) But in truth, he is. And praise is the thing that gets us to that place where we can say that. The Bible also speaks in Hebrews chapter 13 of a sacrifice of praise. This means that we praise God even when we don't feel like it. When it doesn't come naturally, we choose to do it anyway. Because guess what? Praise has got nothing to do with you. Perhaps the second punch today. (laughs) Praise has got nothing to do with you. It's all about Him. It's all about lifting our eyes from our situation to the one who can control or change or manage the situation. God called Abraham a a, a childless old man stuck in his tent going, God, you promised me an heir. What the heck? Where and when? And God says, come out of your tent and look up. See the heavens. Count the stars if you can. God got Abraham to come out of his dark place and to lift his eyes. That's what praise does. It pulls us out of a dark place and causes us to lift our eyes and to focus on the majesty, the magnificence, the immeasurability of the God of the heavens and the earth. So does praise mean we leap around and make a whole bunch of noise? Sometimes. Sometimes. You're the very word hallelujah is actually two. It's, it's one word made of two. Hallelujah means to praise joyously with great emotional energy. And the last bit, yeah, is God. So basically, hallelujah is to praise God joyously with great emotional energy. I know some of you are going, Tom obviously hasn't preached for a month. He's got, a, got something to get off his chest. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Because you know what? If you're just here for a Mediterranean cruise, you may be on the wrong ship. (laughs) Does praise mean that you have to be an accomplished singer? Not necessarily. Psalm 98 and Psalm 100 both declare, make a joyful joyful noise all the earth. Another version says, shout for joy all the earth. I mean, anyone been to Australia and heard the rooks and the crows in the morning or the galahs? I mean, God made them. Not too sure whether he was having a bad day, but he made them. All creation shout praise to the God. You know, there are something like 334 directives about praise in the Bible. I think if there's that many, it's something we should take note of. Praise is so much more than a simple reaction to coming into God's presence. No, 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 no. We, we worship in God's presence. Praise will get us into God's presence. That's why, I mean, you know, we, we generally, on a Sunday, we generally start with something that's got a bit of tempo and it's, it's, it's up there because praise breaks rock. Praise shifts mindsets. Praise lifts hearts. 
Praise takes someone out of a dark tent and it causes them to lift their eyes to the magnificence of the heavens. And then as the presence of God comes, the awe and the majesty and the magnificence causes us to worship. Praise opens doors through which God enters your life and goes to work on your behalf. Praise is the password. Praise brings God's presence along with his direct intervention. Let me give you some examples. Here's the first one. Praise leads. You know the name Judah, the tribe of Judah. The name Judah means praise the Lord. And whenever the Israelite nation began to move, it was always Judah. They were the first tribe to move when they were traveling between Egypt and the promised land. And whenever they went out as a nation to war, the first tribe that went out was praise. In one of these situations, they were going out, they were moving, and um, the enemies of Israel gathered before them. Now, the king of that time was King Jehoshaphat. And you know what he did? He got the worship team, and he said, get out in front of the front line. Great military strategy. Unless you're the worship leader. (laughs) He put the choir on the front line in front of... The choir was in front of the elite soldiers. How's this? The choir led the SEALs, (laughs) the Navy SEALs. They put them out in front. And when they began to praise, this is what it says in 2 Chronicles 20. As soon as, as soon as they began singing, the Lord confused the enemy camp and they turned against each other. Come on. If you come into a place where you feel like you're surrounded by an enemy and the enemy's camp, get your praise on. Let the, let the praise and the power of heaven confuse the enemy's camp. All right. I feel like I'm just going to preach to this section this morning. Oh, okay. Here we go. <laughs> praise leads. Praise lifts and strengthens. The Israelites had come back to Jerusalem after it had been sacked and burned and raised and just shattered in ground. Nehemiah comes and they begin to build the wall and then they begin to build the city. And then they call Ezra and he brings out the word of God and he, they build a platform and he begins to read them the word of God. And suddenly the weight of how they had sinned before God hit them. And the entire nation fell, grieving, despondent, in despair, realizing they needed to repent before God. And, and so they do. They go into a time of just amazing repentance and and, and before God, and then they come through that. And then Nehemiah says this in, in chapter 8, verse 10 of Nehemiah, Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks. Send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to the Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. If you're feeling weak, get your praise on. Praise brings light into darkness. Psalm 89, verse 15. Blessed are those who learned, who have learned to acclaim you, who walk in the light of your presence. Another word for acclaim, praise. Blessed are those who have learned to praise you, who walk in the light of your presence, Lord. By using the password, it enables you to log on and download what you need. And you know what do we need? Oh my goodness, we need the presence. We need the presence of God. Again, I ask, God may be present, but is his presence 
present. Go back to the book of Genesis. Jacob is fleeing his brother Esau because he's, well, Esau sold his birthright and then Jacob stole the blessing of the firstborn and his brother vowed to kill him and his mother to save his life said, go to your uncle Laban's place. He's on his way to Laban, Uncle Laban. He, he needs to sleep and he's in the area which is known as Lutz, L-U-Z, if I remember that correctly. Anyway, he grabs a rock and he uses a rock as a pillow. He must have been tired. He was using a rock as a pillow. And he falls asleep and he has this absolutely mind-blowing dream. And he sees a stairway, a ladder going from earth to heaven. And these angels ascending and descending on the ladder. And at the top of the ladder, the Lord God himself calls out and he declares to Jacob, I am the God of your great-grandfather, your grandfather Abraham, your father Isaac. And I'm your God. And he repeat, God repeats the promise that he gave Abraham and Isaac to Jacob. Jacob wakes up in 20, Genesis 28, 16 and 17. It says this, Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I wasn't even aware of it. But he was also afraid and he said, What an awesome place this is. It is none other than the house of God, the very gateway to heaven. Surely the Lord is in this place and I wasn't even aware of it. I may be present, but is this presence present? You know, we, we get saved. We, we give our lives to Jesus. We ask his forgiveness. He washes us clean in our soul and our spirit. We become born-again believers. We attend church. We wake up from our habits and we, we change our lifestyle so we don't keep repeating those old mistakes. And, but now what? Now what? You know what? Each and every one of us, each and every one of you guys, you've been called for more. You're not merely called to live, but you're called to live in abundance. You're not just called to simply be worshippers. You are called to worship in spirit and in truth. We're not called just to be Christians, but we are called to be imitators of Christ. Jesus himself said, wherever the Son of Man goes, there will be an open heaven. What does that mean? Think of Jacob's dream. Wherever Jesus went, there were angels ascending and descending. An open heaven because of the Spirit of God living in you. If Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, you have been restored, forgiven, and made whole by the blood of Jesus and filled with the Spirit of God. Guess what? By the presence of God, wherever you go, there will be an open heaven. Do your homework, it's in the Bible. The presence of God sounds mysterious, and in some ways it is a little bit. But you know what? The presence of God is not some Klingon on the starboard bow, Captain Kirk. It's not an additional extra to God. God is a triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There isn't a fourth element to God. The presence of God is the presence of His nearness. It is the... You know, you, you could be in a room and, and you're not necessarily looking at the door, but all of a sudden you just go, there's someone else in the room. Has anyone ever experienced that? 
You know what I'm talking about, eh? You just you may not even watch in the door, you might even just be at your desk or something, and all of a sudden your spidey sense goes. Someone else in the room. Well, magnify that by heavenly dimensions. The presence of God is his nearness, built into his name. We've just had Christmas four weeks ago. There's 51 weeks to go until Christmas. Um, it says, we declare it all the time at Christmas time. We need to declare this every day, all year. His name is Emmanuel, which means? You kind of just, that was like, good morning, Mr. Hatch. That was like primary school. Emmanuel means? Mm. I, want you to, I want you to take that phrase, God with us, and we're going to repeat it three times, and we're going to put emphasis on each individual word. So God with us. So first, first time, let's, let's say it now, and the emphasis on the first. Who's with us? God with us. Where is he? God with us. And who's God with? God with us. Amen. Amen. Our life is not defined by what we do. Our life is not defined by our success or failure. Our life is defined by His presence. And by using the password of praise, we can become not just aware, but we can become empowered by His indwelling presence. The scriptures call this is how the scriptures put the Apostle Paul puts it like this. Christ in me, the hope of glory. Now, 1 Kings 19 describes of an encounter that Elijah had with God. and you know, The presence of God may not be in a great earthquake. It wasn't for Elijah. It may not be in a, in a, a tearing gale force wind that ripped rocks off the mountain like it did outside the cave that Elijah was in. It wasn't even in a fire. But... And more often than not, as it was with Elijah, the presence of God was in the whisper. The whisper in our hearts. That gentle breeze that, did I, did, did I just hear something? It was, God was, grab your Bible. This is what I heard. Actually, it's in here. What I heard lines up with the written word of God. That was you. God. That was you. The whisper in our hearts. The presence of God is not just a theory, but it is a fact and it is a practice. There is a power that is available to us if we will get serious with God. Jeremiah 29, we often quote verse 11, but I want to give you 11 through 13 from the NIV. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. We know this bit. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. And that's the bit we like. That's the bit we like to quote. Yes, God, I'll have that hope. Yes, God, I'll have that future. Yes, God, I like those plans. But verse 12 and 13 goes on and says this. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. Verse 13, you will seek me and find me when? 
You seek me with all your heart. God may be present, but is his presence present? Will you seek him with all your heart? Verse 13 out of the message translation, verse 13 of uh, Jeremiah 29, I love how it says, when you come looking for me, you'll find me. Yes, when you get serious about finding me and want it more than anything else, God's promise, I'll make sure you won't be disappointed. Boom, boom. I just, I needed Brad on the drums right there. There it is. When you get serious about finding me and want it more than anything else. In the 1600s, um, there lived a Carmelite monk uh, who became very famous. He, he was known as Brother Lawrence. And it is said that he is the man who coined or wrote the phrase, practicing the presence of God. At 18 years old, he had an encounter with God that so radically changed his life that from that point on, the rest of his entire life was that when you get serious about finding me and want me with all your, yeah, with what does it say? want me more than anything else, that's what happened to Brother Lawrence. And he actually written a book called Practicing the Presence of God. You can get it on Amazon and Kindle. And here's a quote out of that book. So this is in the 1600s. I regard myself as the most wretched of all men, stinking and covered with sores, and as one who has committed all sorts of crimes against his king. Overcome by remorse, I confess all my wickedness to him ask his pardon, and abandon myself entirely to him to do with as he will. But this king, filled with goodness and mercy, far from chastising me, lovingly embraces me, makes me eat at his table, serves me with his own hands, gives me the keys of his treasures, and he treats me as his favorite. He talks with me and is delighted with me in a thousand and one ways. He forgives me and relieves me of my principal bad habits without talking about them. I beg him to make me according to his heart. And always the weaker and more despicable I see myself to be, the more beloved I am of God. That is the presence of God. You know, our, our heroes in the Bible, the heroes of faith, they were believers who walked according to the word of God. Yes, they repented. And yes, they brought sacrifices to God. They prayed. But you know, more than that, they lived in the presence of God. I'm just reading through the Old Testament and I'm like, Abraham, Moses, Jacob, David, they're all having these one-on-one conversations with God. I was like, oh, what must that be like? They lived in the presence of God. Let him awaken that in you. Yes, ask for spiritual gifts and talents and pursue them. The scriptures encourage us to do that. But with that, teach your soul to always be thirsty for his presence and to only be satisfied by the Spirit. Use the password, praise him with every fiber in your being. Let it unlock the power of his presence and then we can live in part two of John chapter 10 verse 10. He came to give us life, salvation, and life in all its fullness. This living with Emmanuel, this living with God with us, his indwelling presence, the raw dynamic of his person in our midst, God with us. What is it? It's his love, his acceptance, his voice, his instruction, his direction, his sound, his song, his atmosphere, his love, his astounding grace, his purpose, and his calling. 
The scriptures say the measure is that we would be filled with the fullness of God. And how better to wrap this up with the very word of God in 1 Corinthians 2, 9 through 12. This is what the scriptures mean when they say, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. But this is what to us that God revealed, uh, for it was to us that God revealed these things by his spirit. For his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. No one can know a person's thoughts except the person's own spirit. No one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And we have received God's spirit, not the world's. So we can know the wonderful things God has freely given to us. How? Through praise and his presence. So how do we become the hero in the valley? How do we scale those mountains or move those mountains? How do we know deep peace in the midst of the battle, which is the Lord's? Through praise, which opens the door and ushers in the presence, the power and the glory. This year, this year, so this is the last Sunday in January already. Could I ask, could I encourage, could I implore you, both on site and online, could I implore you to use the password? Praise Him. It will give you access to power. It will give you access to the presence of God. It will establish within your life a greater clarity and purpose, a greater life, hope and purpose than you've ever known before. Let's pray. Father, Lord, we just, we just need you. We need you. We need you. We need you. We need you. I pray, God, that you would hijack our thinking with things that will spontaneously cause us to praise you. Lord, give us eyes to see, ears to hear, a heart to discern and recognize and know the things in which we can give you praise. Let praise be our first response. That we would know what it is to walk with an open heaven under your authority in your anointing for the purpose of your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.